need to be reviewed. And I hope that this is the same for competition structures. It'll be reviewed. It'll see the positives and the negatives. And if there are negatives, we can try and work together to to mitigate against them or even take them away fully. So it'll be a learning. It'll be a bit of a learning process, I feel. But the fact that they're trying to change things, I think, positive um, tier system within the G within the football would be, I think, would be a good thing if it's promoted properly. And that's the most important thing. It needs to be given enough promotion. Given the respect it deserves, um, at least you're in the Canton Cup, and I know they're they're very much eager to get a get a good start in it and, and move forward in it, and are passionate to try and get a win out of it. But I think it needs to be given enough promotion, be that TV time, be that awards for the players, and so on and so forth, because um, it needs to be respected from both ends. Hello everyone and you're very welcome to this week's First Common LGFA with myself, Aidan Rafferty and as always we have uh, Ollie Coggan. Hello Ollie, how are you? Are you well? Hi Aidan, all is good, yeah, good. That, that's good, that's good. Yeah, so the last time uh, we, we, we had a discussion, we were talking about, uh, unfortunately, the girls had lost to uh, to Leitrim in the Connor final, but, uh, and you were saying that this that, that last weekend they had um, they had a break from the county scene because the, the county... I suppose the club scene was back on with the junior, with the intermediate senior and uh, junior co- county championships. So, uh, how did they go over the weekend? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, a nice respite for the girls, uh, although they're still training, of course, with with the county. But yeah, they were allowed back to the clubs the weekend. The league finals were on, and uh, very exciting, great day out in Castlery. Um, very exciting junior final, which in which um, St. Crones emerged. Uh, victorious uh, in the Division 3 final against uh, Aero. Now, Aero would have been fancy to win that, so a good, very good win for St. Crohn's. Uh, a couple of points they won that by. In the Intermediate uh, Division 2 decider, then uh, St. Bridget's uh, were up against the Royal Foes for the last couple of years in Boyle. So, um, and yet again, Bridget's got to the got to better that by seven or eight points. So, that was that was, uh, that was a good victory for them. And, and Good to see a good young team like Bridget's going 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 up to Division One because they're, they're an up and coming team and and, and uh, Division One foot they need to be in Division One football so that's good for them and then in Division One of course you had the two old rivals they had Kilbride and Flanagan and perhaps we are well of course championships a different baby but maybe we are witnessing a slight change in the in in the power strikes a, a very very tight first half uh, Flanagan got a very important goal right on the stroke half time lead by one five six points at half time but. Came out in the second half a different team and pulled away to win comfortable winners by 316 to 1 9. So, staple it in 10 for Clan, and even though they were missing a number of regulars um, for the championship coming going, going forward. But nice for the girls, yeah, to to get that respite and to get back with the clubs and have the have those that nice distraction. And they're back, they were back uh, Tuesday night then training with the county, and um, they have a couple of challenges lined up for next weekend where they take on. Um, they're taking on uh, Tipperary on Friday night, and then they're playing Carlo. I think it is the following Tuesday night, and then they're sort of Sunday the fifty May or fifty June. They're they're, in, they're up against Kildare for a middle opposition in the first round of the championship. That's great, and of course the you know last weekend the fact that the the kid the um the girls are uh, were allowed back to their clubs that'll be the the kind of the thing they need to to like they're you know, playing with their their old teammates and and that and maybe getting uh, you know in some cases you know so, some of the players will have been getting a, a much needed win under their belt with their clubs and that'll kind of lift the spirits ahead of the you know tri- going back to Tuesday going back to training last Tuesday as you as you just said there um you know keeps the preparation 
aspirations as well for the Kildare game, I suppose, will be, you know, the two friendlies. Not easy friendlies either, which is kind of what you need, but it's managing them between now and the Kildare game that's that, that's really key, isn't it, To uh, so that they, they don't get injured, but still they're getting max practice and, uh, you know, th- things like that. And uh, it's about managing the players really between now and then, isn't it? Ah, yeah, the hard work is done now at this stage, and uh, you're not going to, you're whatever level of fitness you're at, you're at, you're not going to improve between now and then. Right, it's about managing it. There's a few niggly injuries that we've, we've spoken about at length before. Key players like Kate Nolan and a few of them are, are still out. Um, so Kelly Colgan is coming back, and a few of them, but whether they're the championship or not, I don't know. Uh, but um, the, yeah, they're all back, kind of doing a bit of light training and stuff like that. So yeah, it'd be important to, to, um, manage that as you say and make sure nobody else gets injured and you know that the morale is I'm working on morale and morale I don't think will be fixed now as you said the, the confidence of, of going back and winning with the club for some of them will, will, will uh, be a huge boost and uh, they're a good bunch of girls and they're a close bunch of girls so they'll have quickly forgotten that defeat while they'll, they'll have analysed it and looked up back on it and that's what they'll, they'll be setting their sights firmly on Kildare now and uh, reaching an All-Ireland quarter final so it's well within their grasps uh, there will be very tough, really, really strong position. One of the favourites for the All Ireland. So, but Ross Common have a good record against them in the last couple of years. So, um, you never know. So, uh, yeah, it's about keeping it fresh. Uh, light training sessions to matches. Yeah, it'll, uh, one temporary or senior side. So, that'll be a fair, uh, fair challenge on Friday night. And then Carlo are one of the favourites for the junior championship. So, nice blend there and a chance to try out all the squad in both those games. And uh, that that's that's great. So like you know, he he have that luxury of playing one kind of kind of one fifteen in in one match and another fifteen in another match, but still kind of bringing on subs and all that. But I suppose it, it gives them it gives them a chance to play around maybe with tactics and formations and you know like fifteen on fifteen or I suppose you know the um the sweeper system or double mark. You know, it gives them a chance to kind of operate on those, those kind of things and of course uh, you know I think he's kind of you know having a, he has a fair idea of the starting 15 obviously a key a key woman to that would have been uh, Lisa O'Rourke but uh, she's uh, she's been celebrating she had a, a great win there uh, you know in the world championships as we know and she's had a great well, homecoming and things like that um, how, how do you see her participation like going forward she'd probably be uh, committed to the boxing now for I suppose the next couple of months or whatever or do you see her getting back into the, being able to go back to the Roscommon ladies team in the in the next couple of months or how do you see that happening well it's up in the air at the moment there's different 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 talents and uh, Lisa's uh, <laughs> I know herself she's very keen to get back playing the football with her club and the county but <laughs> I think the boxing authorities might have a little bit to say on that uh, so she's in that elite bracket now of sports people in the country and uh, if she's uh, look, if she's receiving funding it'll be it'll be you'll imagine the, the people that's funding her will dictate what she could do but hopefully if she is released uh, she'd be a massive addition to come back and even if the if they didn't have her for the group games and they got through the group but she'd be a massive addition in a quarter final because that's when the champ the heat really when the battle really heats up and um so we'll have to watch this space for that one. She's not; she won't be playing the challenge matches anyway. Uh, I'm sure yeah. as we speak as we speak next week or whatever. If if she's back in training, we'll know about it. Uh, it would be great if she was. And uh, but like I said, I'd say that's kind of beyond the control of the LGFA now at this stage. That's that's, that's whoever manages her will will make that decision. 
That's it. And of course, uh, you know, she, she's also a guest of honour at the Connacht final, which is, uh, you know, she deserves, she, 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 she did, uh, she did first and foremost her family, herself, uh, the town of Castlereagh, the county, and indeed Ireland proud. But, but so has, um, in fairness, so has Aoife as well. But, uh, you know, I think, I think that the focus is, is kind of on, uh, is on Nice as well. So it'd be great. Uh, you know, we'd like to wish her, wish her all the best. And, uh, you know, that that's a huge, huge honour for her to be guest of honour at the the kind of final, and uh, it'd be great Absolutely. to see. Yeah, and it'll 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 whet her appetite for the game as well when she goes down to Salt Hill and she'll watch that game. And of course, Roscommon being in it, and yeah, it'll do. And I know from speaking to people around her in the last couple of weeks, she is very 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 keen to uh, return to the Gaelic. So it's not be a question of whether she's there or not. Really. And it's as simple as that. That's it, and of course, um, you know, the, it'll be it'll be interesting to see, you know, the the I suppose for the game itself against Kildare, this is a, this is a very good Kildare side, um, you know. In, in fairness, everyone, all, all the players have have given it their all, you know, up up until this game, and uh, this is one game that uh, maybe, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see the starting fifteen that Ollie puts out for that game. Um, I'm presuming, like you know, in fairness. I think the the only Connacht fight, the only it was only the really the Leitrim game that kind of went against them in many ways. But uh, you know, it's it's you know maybe in certain aspects of play, maybe the the um, the players are still kind of gelling, but they're doing well in in other ways. But this is the, the this is kind of um, one of the important games that need to be winning the 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 group games to kind of get out of out of that and be be in contention. But uh, you know, as we as we said there, the the belief is in the is, is in the girls, and it's it's uh, just about uh, about belief really and managing managing themselves, learning from, I suppose, the kind of final that that's all done. So uh, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see um, how Ali manages that end of things, uh, both tactics wise and how he's going to uh, pick the uh, pick the starting fifteen. Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's his biggest job from now to. And you would imagine he would use the two challenge matches to shape his team in that way. And hopefully he has a plan ready, and I'm sure he will. And, you know, uh, yeah, you're right. Like, look, 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 the overall perspective we've talked about several times, the overall progress for the year has been made. And now, look, get out of the group, and it hasn't been a bad year. And you never know in a quarterfinal, one-off game, knockout match, they're, they're, are, are a match for anybody. And they're still a young side, and they're still developing. And don't, don't forget to have that great league triumph over them. So... Yeah, it, it, the last thing they want now is to end up, end up in a relegation match, but hopefully it won't come to that and they will get out of the group. Um, but yeah, tactically, it's been interesting to see how he goes. Tolly is renowned for defensive tactics, but he kind of uh, changed his style a bit in the kind of final and made for a very exciting game. Now it didn't end up in a victory, so but obviously it was probably more enjoyed with the, with the girls. So it's been interesting to see, will he revert back to type for, for Kildare? Very pacey forwards and... Uh, are renowned for high scores in their matches. So um, it'll be interesting what, what, what way he develops and we'll have a fair idea maybe on, on, on Friday night against Tipperary. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what, what changes personnel-wise uh, he makes. But uh, I, I think it, it's good. Um, like, are there any, yeah, you were saying that there, there's uh, two two uh, games this weekend, one on Friday and one on Tuesday, so that's going to be... But I suppose they, they, they have time off, so I'm sure they'll be going to, to Salt Hill to enjoy <laughs> enjoy uh, yeah. their Scumman game on Sunday, and hopefully those lads will uh, the lads will come out with a win. And I suppose really on that as well, it's uh, it's uh, a lot of excitement now, you know, uh, with the with the Roscommon team 
when you consider how last season went. And uh, I suppose this is the fourth time that in this year that they were scumming and Galway met. We, you know, they, they played in the um, they played in the FBD final. They only just lost out there in that. I mean, yourself and myself were discussing that um, kind of not too long after. But they seem to have kind of won for... I know that's just the FBD League final. Um, you know, and then... Uh, but they seem to have learned that because... We learned from that because, uh, you know, in the National League, they were an awful lot better against them and they were more commanding, I suppose, in uh, both the league match and then the league final. So, um, you know, I'm sure preparations... Preparations will be... Um, you know, will will be will be interesting to see that. But I suppose the difference between then and now is like I suppose, you know, the league final they had Damien Comer, he's a huge addition. Um, you know, Shane Walsh and um, you know, they're they're two of the big they're two of the big players that are back for Galway that maybe they didn't have during the league and they'll they'll be kind of they'll take some watching so it's going to be interesting to see how uh, how Anthony Cunningham manages manages those and what sort of tactics he'll employ there and uh, but I suppose if you'd have to say that the only one the ideal guy to manage uh, to manage in Damien Comer would be Connor um, would be Connor Daly. Yeah, well, look at it. It's it, it's uh, it's. I still don't think Ross Common have anything to fear. Um, yeah, I mean, they've 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 had good record out blowing Salt Hill. Uh, they've a good record against Galway, as you say. Okay, yeah, the league match, league league football and championship football is totally different. Um, yeah, you'd imagine the Danes come back and uh, it's eventually who picks up uh, Shane Walsh at corner back too because he did pose a lot of problems for a little cameo role he played in the league final. He certainly changed things in the last twenty minutes when he came on. So. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, also, I always say any game played in Salt Hill, the weather has a huge factor because it's it's uh, one of those stadiums that's very it's located right beside the sea and there's always a breeze in it. So it'll depend how strong that might be on the day and who gets the fast start and who can defend or whatever. But uh, I think with the Roscommon forward line, though, Roscommon have not certainly... Galway have a lot to fear in the Roscommon forward line, too. And you have the likes of... Obviously, the team is not named yet, but when you have the likes of Dermot Murcher coming off the bench, I mean, that's massive impact. The worry would be similarly the other end, maybe the Roscommon defence and the Galway defence might be as strong as their both sets of forward lines. So it'll be interesting what sort of a tactic is employed by Barry Joyce as well. Now, he went uh, very on Joyce like he, against uh, Mayo. He went quite defensive, which was uh, which his predecessor, uh, Kevin Welsh, was slated for uh, on numerous occasions. But, but all these good managers <laughs> can pack the defence when they want to too. Like, you know, so they're I wouldn't think Galway's going to go toe to toe with Common either. So um, it'll be interesting. I don't think there'll be a kick of the ball in it. In. Yeah, and of course, um, I suppose um, we, we've discussed it. I think in previous weeks as well. The two, the two pro- maybe areas that Roscommon had uh, problems with in the past, you know, the full back position and the midfield, they seem to uh, both have been solved. But I suppose in midfield, um, you know, which of the which which of our two lads is going to be marking Paul Conroy? Paul Conroy is really at the top of his game now as well, and uh, of course, uh, you know, Brian Stack is it has proved to be very solid uh, in, in full-back as well. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah, they're key areas. And in fairness, Roscommon have made big improvements in it. The two guys have formed a new partnership in the middle of the field through the league and were very good. Uh, probably working at their best against Sligo, uh, which was surprising. Um, and, um, of course, the league final, um, Paul Conway had a, had a man-in-the-match performance. So that's a worry. Their last two games haven't been, they haven't been... But they had had good games there. And look, apart from what we've had in, in the past, they're... We're really struggling in the field, so 
Ulton and, and Eddie Nolan, Ulton Harney and Eddie Nolan have really stepped up to the plate this year. And I think they'll be they'll, they'll have a plan for Conroy on on uh, Sunday. But uh, and Stack and Comer, I, I I'd have no fear with Stack and Comer. I, I think Comer can be very hot and very cold. The, the worry for me is uh, Shane Welsh and then the half hour line and Amanda never gets uh, recognised that much with Gallagher, but he's always involved in a lot of their key attacks. It's Johnny Heaney who's having a great year at wing forward as well. So there's a lot of good matchups, but then like, I mean, who's going to take up the Smiths from the Galway end and Donny's on fire at full forward? Who's going to end uh, the beauty of having Ulton Harney and Eddie Nolan in the middle of the field that takes the pressure off of end and he can, he, he's much closer to goal and the half hour line which really suits him. So, there's a lot of potentially big matchups, and uh, yeah, it'll be important to you. We'll have to win some of those matchups. Simple as that. And uh, another thing that we we kind of covered in previous uh, in previous discussions is the leadership the leadership qualities of Donny Smith as well. He is really I, I think that was one of the key factors in Roscommon winning the league as well. And I know there's a difference between leading the team out in the league and leading them out in the championship. But I mean, you know, when it's really when it's really needed. You know, when, when the I suppose when they're back, when the backs are against the wall, someone like uh, you know the leadership skills of of Donny Smith is going to be key there, and uh, no doubt, uh, probably at stages throughout the game this Sunday, that that's going to happen where they need his leadership. Now, you know, from one to fifteen, they're 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 a good they've a, they're a good solid uh, starting fifteen, but sometimes throughout the game at various stages, sometimes. You know he might be required to grab the game by the scruff of the neck and and kind of, but he, he's the type of player as well. He can put he can push put them over from freeze, but he can also pop them over from nearly any angle. Uh, you yeah. you know when it's needed uh, to put them over the bar as well. Ah, yeah, absolutely, and and, and uh, he Donny has been super all year, and Enda has been super, and they've all been super stacky and yeah. Nile Daly they always leads there. He's the most experienced man there now. He leads in the half back line. And it is. these guys are all have a lot of football behind them now and a lot of experience. So so it's also worth noting, you know, it's a very big day for a couple of our new lads. Like, you know, um, uh, his name of his, you know, cornerback from Dominic's first provincial final. It's massive, like, you know, massive crowd. Um, equally young Hussey and you, you know, these guys are young, young Hina. And like, these guys are very young and this is a big day, but they answered the call in fairness in Pro Park on the league final Sunday, so hopefully they won't be deterred either by, which would surely be, uh, well, I'd, I'd imagine the Rossies are travelling numbers, but you'd imagine there'll be a, a huge Galway crowd there as well. So, uh, yeah, they're all the quandaries and situations and matchups, and which is why we love it so much and why we're, we're intrigued by it all. And if you're not near your colours to the mask, uh, it's very hard to pick a winner and, you know, maybe wouldn't rule out extra time. That's it, and that, that could very well happen. Maybe even penalties, but uh, <laughs> we 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 we'll go with the extra time for now. But such yeah. is the closest, because I mean, you know, there, there's only been the width of a, a a sheet of paper between them in the league, in both league, in the league, and in the championship in previous years. So, uh, so yeah. listen, thanks very much for uh, taking the time out to. Uh, we're scumming LGFA with us and we look forward to looking back on those on uh, the, the two friendlies, uh, the two challenge matches um, this weekend ahead of ahead of Roscommon's game against uh, against Kildare and we look into the Kildare game in more depth. So we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Ed. No problem. Thanks very much. And that is Ollie Coggan from Roscommon LGFA.
Hello everyone and you're very welcome to this week's Formula 1 view with myself, Aidan Rafferty and of course, as always, we have our Formula 1 expert, Michael O'Grady. Hello Michael, how are you? Are you well? Oh, I'm very good. It's a lovely sunny day here in Monaco at the minute. I don't know if you've been around Monaco before, you know, it's very nice. A yeah. um, couple of nice boats out there at the minute now, Aidan. I think one of them is... Uh, uh, one of them is yours, I think, Michael, isn't it? You know, and, uh... I'm seeing Rafferty's <laughs> dream out there now. It's a nice boat, well, you know. That's I'm, it. I'm beginning to wonder where you're... Uh, uh, where you are at the minute? So, after he's, after he's, uh, yeah, boat. That that sounds like a great name for a for 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 a for a Cheltenham Gold Cup winning horse now. So you know that's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> or even a former. <laughs> Oh, I see. That's where you got the money from, is it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah don't worry. <laughs> yeah, it's all. It's all. It's all about board. It's all about board. Uh, as, as always. So, so I, I think it was due to a new EU law or something. I think Monaco has moved to uh, to Wexford, doesn't it? Oh, I, I, I think it's now called um, the the Federal Republic of Monaco, Roscommon, and Wexford. Yeah, I think it is. The, pe- the people's uh, breakaway republic. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they've moved it to two locations because they were they, yeah, were, yeah. they were afraid that there wouldn't be in Formula One with us two, like you know what I mean. Yeah, well, and I mean, is... you know, you know yourself, Paul Egan owns three three hotels out there, so I mean, they say, well, there you, go. Coming, you know, so <laughs> that, that's just the way it goes, you know. Well, this you know that that's it, and uh, yeah. So uh, looking look, looking back at the last Grand Prix, and we'd be also looking forward, looking towards the next Grand Prix, and indeed we'll be start, we'll start off with all the uh, the latest news from uh, from the world of Formula One to kick off. Well, now there was a little bit of very good news uh, at the minute. Yeah, the Ice Man is back. We all know Kimi Raikkonen. We all know he retired from Formula One. Is he back in Formula One? Well, no, he's not. He's actually gone to America and he's going to be in the NASCAR Cup. That's absolutely amazing when you think about it. He's going to be very good. He's only 42 years of age, which is, you know, kind of uh, arthritic in Formula One, <laughs> in Formula One terms. But kind of only getting places in NASCAR. So that's eh, not so bad. So he's going to be driving a... A Chevrolet Camaro ZL1. I don't know what that looks like, but I, I will find out later on because I'm kind of very interested to see how he gets on. You know yourself, it's, um, it's <laughs> nice to see. I mean, he was a world champion. Uh, you know, he's had 21 win- wins and a 103-ish, uh, probably unchanged podiums. I mean, you know, he's one hell of a driver. It's nice to see that the old fellas, uh, the old fellas is the column in Formula 1, um, kind no. of have a future. Do you know what I mean? So it's... Um, yeah, the, the elder statesman of, uh, of, of Formula One, if you will. Absolutely. And I see um, Carlos Sainz Sr. Um, has, by his own admission, of course, by Carlos, he struggled a bit um, with the races uh, at times. Uh, Spain is a bit the same, but we'll get back to that. But um, his father has, uh, has has very good faith in him, um, he says uh, uh, he's not very confident with the car at the minute uh, and the build-up to the season hasn't been very smooth, but it's only a matter of time before his son gets to the top of the 2022 Ferrari. Uh, I mean, that's great news. It's it's nice when you get a bit of support like that because he, he's had a very bad time of it for a while. Uh, it's nice to see him sort of, you know, getting the old pat on the back and you can do it, you know what I mean? Because he has had a hard time of it. and It's, it's nice to see somebody you know, behind him because it's the first time he really has been in a, a race winning situation um, or a race winning car compared to, to what he used to be, you know. So, I mean, 
that's the way it is. You know, it's nice to see it as they say. Paul Egan will be out now, I'd say, uh, giving him an old psychological chap in advance of the race too, you know. Sports uh, psychologist, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, you know, and I mean, uh, I, I, I think he did very well last week, actually, Aidan. I, I think that cramp he had, um, he did a very good job on that now. He was walking straight away, no bother at all to him, so... Um, that's that. That's what you call hardcore, like you know. Oh, you absolutely. I didn't see you around the Spain track at all until he needed you. So I mean, you were obviously hiding somewhere, probably in the VIP area. Well, you know, that's where you. That's where we belong. You know. <laughs> absolutely. Well, we go back to Spain. The Spain Formula One was all over the place, which was yeah. great. <laughs> you have to work on that tan, so we have to go back to Spain, don't we? Absolutely we do, although Monaco's going to be good for our tan too, so we won't, we won't say much. <laughs> you're not, you weren't looking too bad now when I saw you walking around Monaco yesterday, so not too yeah, bad yeah. There, you know. All, all natural though, there was no, no tan and beds needed or anything that's uh, a natural tan, you know? Yeah, yeah, I think the king of Monaco was uh, chatting away to you there too, so that, that was quite <laughs> good. But, um, back to Spain. Uh, <laughs> in the qualifying, of course, we had uh, 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 a bit of fun. Uh, conditions were stifling I would have said out there um, the heat seemed to be something else there was a, a, a bit of an unrelenting sun there hence Aidan Rafferty's um, sallowy complexion uh, <laughs> but Red Bull were absolutely flying out there with uh, Charles Leclerc sending an early benchmark in uh, Q1 but that was all going to sort of turn around a bit um, after that poor Lando Norris kind of just lost out in Q2 which was which was very unusual he was a bit on the unlucky side and Mercedes set sort of laps in Q2 there was a lot of squirreling around now from Hamilton uh, Russell's still ahead of him um, I don't know why that is he seems to just have the better of that car you know but um, that's the way it was as to say Kevin Magnussen uh, rounded out the top five for Haas as well on that particular area but Q3 was really interesting um, because of course Verstappen you know he set the fastest lap at the start and Sainz came back almost immediately um, back in second he was a, a little bit behind him but um Charles Declare, of course, he had spun on turn 14 uh, and aborted his opening lap, which was terrible, which put an awful lot of pressure on the driver because now he's only got one run at it because it's such a short period of time. He, he really didn't get much of a run at it. Well, Leclerc came back out again. He was bearing down on his rivals and he managed to absolutely fly around that track. Um, point three two three seconds. I had to look that one up actually. <laughs> that, that, that's fine. That, that's fine. Uh, f- fine timing, and I suppose really to look at Lewis Hamilton as well. I suppose you know, he, he, does it look like he is maybe kind of coming back to a certain to, to his old self with regards to racing and the fact that maybe in the last race he was kind of. He he might have went further. He might have been further up the standings if because he was ahead, wasn't he? Um, or he, you know, he was ahead, but he had to slow down at a certain point to let uh, the guy that was in front of him overtake him. Oh, but, quite right. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh... Maybe you know he is starting to kind of make a make a comeback, and maybe things are starting to turn for him. I think Mercedes are definitely pulling the car forwards, which is which is good news. But the only problem for them is like with the times Ferrari were putting in, who were very unlucky on the day, 
um, the times that they're pulling in, yeah, they've kind of put a step forward too, and 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 so has Red Bull. It's going to be very hard for them to get anywhere near that duo, to be quite honest with you, because uh, the race itself, you know, you had Charles Leclerc on force with Max Verstappen right behind him, you know, and um, it, it's going to be very hard to get anywhere near the two of those. Really, the lap itself, I mean. Yeah, he was unlucky because, of course, there was contact between himself and Magnussen through turn four. Uh, Magnussen went out to the gravel and, and Hamilton had a puncture. Um, look, it's just one of those things when you're racing. I mean, all the drivers have seen it. When you're not at the front, there's a much better chance somebody's going to go off the track as you go down because it is a bit, you know, going into that first corner. You've, you've all those cars piling into one corner, everyone trying to get past everyone. Problems happen um, when when you don't get a car going off in the first corner. It's been a very good start, and it's it's yeah. it's not that often, you know. I mean, and you you were saying there about uh, you, you know uh, about Mercedes. Would you would you say that it was Mercedes the team that was unlucky, or would you say that maybe it was more like maybe Hamilton was unlucky, or maybe a combination of both? Oh, I think it was a combination of both. Well. To a certain extent, it's hard to say. Hamilton was just unlucky with the with, with Magnussen, really. Um, yeah. I mean, George Russell, God, he did a sterling job again. He was ahead of him in qualifying, and and George Russell ended up on the podium. Uh, yeah. That guy is just absolutely flying. Um, I don't know how Hamilton hasn't got the best of him yet. He's absolutely flying. But I mean, really, if it wasn't for the little tap, Hamilton may have done better. In the end, he did quite well. There's no arguing. He had a great comeback there and he did very well. But, you know, against the Red Bulls, the Red Bulls were faster. They were putting in fastest time. Charles Leclerc was putting in fastest time. Sainz, well, he had a bit of an unlucky time of it because he went off into the gravel. And to be honest with you, when it happened, the first thing I said is he doesn't need that. That was a stupid mistake. That was really ridiculous now because, you know, he's, he's having a lot of stupid mistakes this year. He needs to pull it up a bit. Um, he's really pulling Ferrari as constructor back. And I was a bit disappointed until the very next lap, Max Verstappen went off into the gravel at exactly the same point. And it looked like driver error again. But um, I heard on his radio, they said large gust of wind, Max. Um, So obviously the wind just changed the aerodynamics of the car for a split second. And and the guys went off the track. They they were racing so hard, I suppose. It's like everything, isn't it? They were racing absolutely so hard. But I did think it was unlucky for Sainz to go off and for Verstappen to go off. Both on the same thing. I mean, luck just wasn't with him. And... Well, as we know, Charles Leclerc had a very demanding or a very a very commanding lead, way ahead of everybody else. I mean, no one could touch him in that Ferrari on the day. Max couldn't keep up with him. Um, Max did go into the gravel, which didn't help, but he couldn't. Leclerc had uh, had that race, and I mean, he was ahead by twelve seconds. That's a huge lead in it because I mean, like, really, I suppose if you're if you're if you're if you're looking at Verstappen, it's yeah. fair to say that Leclerc is kind of is will be his main rival now for this season, and I suppose maybe even going into the next couple of seasons, and also with regards to Hamilton, I suppose you know the way there are certain there are certain tracks we said throughout the season there are certain tracks that suit certain drivers. So yeah. with that in mind. Uh, with regards to Hamilton, we, we say, you know, what, what are the uh, tracks that kind of suit his style of driving or the car that he has? And, you know, with that in mind, 
can he claw back to uh, you know be, be back at his best or near enough his best to uh, kind of make up for last season? Well, he is actually been lucky this season. I mean, uh, as we were saying, Charles Declare with a twelve second lead, and then suddenly um, on lap twenty seven, he lost power. Car broke down. I mean, talk about unlucky. He had an easy yeah. win, but I mean that promotes people like Russell and people like Hamilton forwards. And and Hamilton will tell you he has. He has absolutely no luck whatsoever. He finished fifth. It was a great drive. But, I mean, theoretically, he should have finished sixth because if Leclerc hadn't broke down, he wasn't there. And he's had that on a couple of occasions because, of course, we know Max headed out of two races. Um, so that promoted him up a point as well. Uh, I think what Hamilton has gone from this year definitely is reliability. Um, other than he did have a problem at the end of this particular race. He was driving like an absolute, driving out of his skin, but unfortunately he was driving out of the car too. And he suddenly developed a a heating problem in the car. They couldn't cool the car right because he had just driven it too hard. It's as simple as that. He blames the car. It wasn't really the car's fault. And he had gone past science, but Really, with well, the car could going you say that maybe to an extent it was a tactical, uh, maybe a tactical error, maybe not not on Hamilton's fault, but maybe on 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 uh, Mercedes uh, part. Well, uh, Mercedes themselves uh, wanted him to keep racing because after he went off in the first lap, um, uh, Hamilton actually wanted to finish the race. He said, "I think we should, I think we should park the car." He wanted to actually finish the race, which. To be honest, which I was very disappointed with that. That that's that's not a racing driver. That's just that's very disappointing. And it's a lucky he didn't because he went on to do an amazing race after that. I have to admit. But I mean, if you're going to ignore what the car happening with the car and the car is overheating because you're just driving so fast, you know that's why he lost the place. That's exactly why he lost the place. Now. Of course, I suppose the counter argument is if he if he didn't drive it that fast, he wouldn't have got the place, um, yeah. you know. But at the same time, is it better to finish fifth and your car be okay than to finish fifth and your car's got a problem? Uh, you know, it's better it's better to not lose a place than lose a place. Um, yeah. You know, especially for. You know, it's like everything. Mercedes are definitely going to finish third this year. It's yeah. going to be a Ferrari or a Red Bull year. It's, it's, it's the end of that. Now, taking into account Ferrari themselves, whenever they win the opening race, they have never lost the championship. Believe it or believe it not, that's never happened. This could be the first time it's happened. It's going to happen, I should say, because we are on early doors. We're only six races into 22 races. So yeah. a lot can still happen, but... I can't see George Russell is doing such a great job and and Hamilton is he's just I, I don't know he's up and down all the time lately and to turn around and just say you know I think we should park the car I don't know if he's demoralized or something but even if you look at the points at the minute I mean he's 46 points and Max Verstappen's 110 that's just too much to reel in it really is because you know if Max stays on the track, he's going to be first or second every race. Charles is 104 points. He's gone knocked back to second now because he didn't finish. But even that, Charles Leclerc, if he doesn't break down, is going to be first or second every race. He can't really, he can't really pull that back. I mean, even his teammate George Russell is closing on double his points at this stage. Which I you know it's only six races in. I, I'm not knocking that, but you know you have George Russell who's doing his best and is is paying off. 
And then you've you've Lewis, who's kind of saying, I think we should park the car because he's had an issue on the first lap. I mean, it's the first lap. It's not the 30th lap. It's not the 40th lap. It was the first lap. You can you can claw back from there um, with a bit of strategy and uh, a bit of things like that. Because, of course, you're watching what everyone else is doing. So, I mean, you know, I was a bit disappointed with that. Tracks, that will suit him. I wouldn't say a lot of tracks are he's going to do well on a lot of tracks this year. Uh, Mercedes tend to do better on the fastest tracks. But I would be very surprised if he's not in the top two maybe in the top three in Silverstone because, like, it is his home race and it, it does give a lift, you know. It really does. And, and, I mean, the German Grand Prix, too, there's going to be a big Mercedes turnout for the German Grand Prix. And Mercedes themselves, they're going to want to win that. You know, they are going to want to win that over every other race. They're going to want to win Silverstone and Germany. And personally, at the moment, with sort of the things we're going, I think the only Mercedes driver has a chance of doing that is George Russell. But again, you know, he did a great race, George. He didn't put a foot wrong. He really drove that car really, really well. But he had no answer for the Ferraris or the Red Bulls. If Sainz hadn't went into the gravel track, he wouldn't have been ahead of him. Not the hope in hell. And if um, Leclerc hadn't broken down, he wouldn't have been ahead of him either. So it's it's very hard to see what they're going to do next. Mercedes are not going to rest under laurels. Most certainly they are not going to rest under laurels. But it just seems like if he's in a race-winning car, Lewis kind of has the edge with the car and the psychological edge. But when the car's not winning, he's been very negative lately. And he kind of needs to shake that off because, you know, when you see other drivers like um, Sebastian Vettel and Fernando Alonso and they're getting a point and they're over the moon. And I mean, you know, you've, Sebastian Vettel's a four times world champion and he's happy. Uh, you know, Lewis just doesn't seem to be like that. It's his mental attitude has taken him down at the minute. He's a great driver. But I think his mental attitude is not helping him at the moment. And to be honest yeah. with you, he's not a young man anymore. So, you know, you've got to look in at racing terms and driver terms. Is... In racing driver terms, to you and me, he's younger than us anyway. So lucky fecker. <laughs> but <laughs> in Formula One terms, it is you do slow down. It's sad to see it and it's sad to say it, but you do slow down. All of them do. The greats did. Everyone does, you know. So I mean, it, it, it is what it is, you know. It's, it's, it's. I'm not saying he's a bad a, driver. Like all, all, um, all sports really are, are kind of mentally draining, regardless of what level you're playing at or. Of course. But even even more so, I think. But with uh, with Formula One, because you have so many things to do, and only splits only a split second to do the to do them in in certain, you know, like with Benz gear changes, all, all these kind of things. It's, it's uh, you know, it, it's over a period of time or over a period of years, it's bound to take its toll. Oh, of course it's going to take its toll. Yeah. I mean, it is very hard. It's uh, it's like Michael Schumacher said, who was um, actually quite a, a, a shy and stressed person, but uh, actually he actually said after his first world championship, yeah, you know, absolutely amazing, fantastic, you know, the biggest high of his life. But then there was kind of an expectation the next year after that. Whereas before that, he was fighting and it was kind of do your best, mate. Now there's kind of a, a an expectation to do it again. And that's the same in every sport. You know, yeah. once you hit the top, well, then you're expected to do it again. Once you're trying for the top, you're expected to do your best. And it's not, it's, it's not a good situation. People really need to give sports people a bit of a break at times. You know, they really do. Um, because I find that people can be just... 
It, it can be just too hard on this. They, they, they don't. But the, I mean, the only way around that is those people, like you know, certain fans, if they're criticising, we said the likes of Lewis Hamilton or yeah. Max Verstappen or that, to realise the pressure they have to be, they have to have done it themselves to kind of know what it's like and to understand it um, more. Maybe if they, if they kind of were in that situation, that they, they kind of understand where the likes of Lewis Hamilton is coming from when he's saying, you know, oh A, B, and C, and it's not the car, it's the car, it's not me, and. Whatever, whatever situation comes about. Yeah, they're all going to blame anything by themselves. And that's perfectly natural. That is not Lewis Hamilton. That's every bloody driver mm. is going to blame but someone it, else. Where, 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 where you see where, where it's, uh, I suppose, um, <laughs> a fine line is where it's a reason and not actually an excuse as well. Because like, there are, you know, sometimes he might have a, a perfectly valid reason for saying A, B and C, and it might be it might be true. But then another day, another person might perceive it as being sour grapes or whatever. But it, it, is, it could be a perfectly legitimate reason. But I do, I, I, I see that point actually. It's quite a good point, Aiden, and people don't yeah. realise that. You know, if you're, if you're playing... Soccer, if you're playing hurling, if you're driving a Formula One car, if you're a figure skater, if you're a champion swimmer going for gold medal, it's, you know, you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe you are the best. You have to believe you can't do anything wrong. That might sound arrogant, but if you don't believe that, it ain't going to happen. Let's face it. I mean, I, I think you'd see that yourself, really, would you? Yeah, yeah, and that that's it. I mean, like it's like, like I've always said, and any and any player or even even anyone that's involved, whether whether you're a player or whether you're an athlete or whether you're a a racing driver or a jockey or anything, it's kind of you know if if you don't believe in yourself and if you don't have confidence in yourself and in the training that you do, there's there's really no point in going out because you have to have that determination and know what it takes to win and it's the same with Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen and the Leclerc's of this world uh, you know and even people coming through so yeah that that's kind of the way it is in general in sport. Yeah you're absolutely right if you don't believe it it ain't going to happen it's as simple as that you yeah. know and I, I think I've seen a lot of racing drivers through the years a bit like that especially like um, you know, you had the likes of Felipe Massa and, um, of course, or oh, the other Brazilian driver, it'll come back to me, Rubens Barrichello. Brilliant people, fantastic, nicest people you ever met, but they just lacked a tiny bit of confidence. Yes, they both of them were second in the world, second best driver in the world. But, you know, they might have got a bit more first best driver in the world if they just had that little bit more confidence. Now, look, that that's me. I, I, I'm not a Formula One driver. I don't understand the psychology. I'm, I'm not criticizing. The guys were absolutely amazing. But it's just, you know, when you hear other people talking and then you hear them talking, it, yeah. it's kind of, you know, it, it's like you need a bit of oomph, you know. And, and I mean. They're all like that. I mean, in fairness now, Lewis Hamilton has done an amazing job in Formula One. It is not his fault he's getting too old. It happens to every driver. It would happen to absolutely every driver you've ever come across. It's happening to Sebastian Vettel. It's happened to Fernando Alonso. And they're on the track. Um, I think his mental attitude is off at the minute because I think it's just something he's refusing to believe. And you know what? 
that's part of the psyche as well. If you're going to win, you have to refuse to believe you've an Achilles heel of any shape. Or you, yeah, you have to believe that maybe there's a corner to be turned down the line and it will come. Now, sometimes that will happen, but then sometimes it doesn't happen and it depends. It's down to it's down to mental strength, I suppose. And, uh, but, it, like, I mean, the, the race overall was, uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was very interesting in certain points, wasn't it, throughout the race? Oh. Oh, it was indeed, yes. They, they were the main problems with, with uh, Verstappen and Sainz going off. Uh, Sainz really didn't have a good day again. He should have been way ahead of George Russell um, because the way it finished up was, of course, Max Verstappen won because Charles Leclerc broke down. Um, he was nowhere near him. Sergio Perez did a great job in second place. I actually like the quote that... Um, uh, Max Verstappen said at the end of it he said very good job by my team and thank you Checo he's a great teammate I mean you, you just can't fault that okay he was asked to move um, through team orders and I didn't think he was particularly happy about it that could be why you know he's praising him quite a lot because I know if you ask Max Max knows how tough that's going to be you know, you know, you're you're moving over for the number one driver, but he is the number one driver, so you have to. But you know, Max didn't doesn't want to move over either, and he knows how tough that is. So I mean, you know, just saying that to his teammate at least makes his teammate feel, um, you know, you did the right thing, mate. You're absolutely brilliant. Fair play to you. You know, it makes you feel better. You had George Russell doing a great job in third. Now. When I say a great job in third, and this is the reason why I don't think Mercedes have the comeback yet, he was 32.9 seconds behind Max Verstappen. And bearing in mind, Max went off the track. Mercedes really don't have anywhere near what a car should be doing. Now, Sainz was in fourth place, the Ferrari, 45 seconds behind, but again, he went off the track as well. Um, he should have been a lot further up along and Hamilton was 54 and a half seconds adrift of Max Verstappen that's closing on a minute they don't have it yet, they really don't Mercedes have a step to go yet but it is, I mean uh, Hamilton finishing fifth this time was not his fault he did a great job to get fifth, I have to admit 10 out of 10 mate, you did a great great job but just George Russell just seems to have it, he qualified higher than him he finished higher than him He's finished higher than him in every race so far. I, I, I think through no fault of his own, really, Lewis needs to be looking at things. Um, it, if I was him, personally, I, I think I'd call it a day because he's finishing out on a high. Um, you're looking at Max Verstappen, or not Max Verstappen, you're looking at Sebastian Vettel and you're looking at Fernando Alonso and they're happy, but they're finishing up in the midfield. That's the end of their career. They're never going to get past that again. They're never going to get a, a Red Bull or Ferrari or Mercedes drive anymore. They're just, they're just too old, you know. And I think, for me, it would be better for his legacy if he left uh, Formula One. If he doesn't want to, that's fine. But he's got to realise, you know, Max Verstappen and, and uh, Charles Leclerc nearly half his age. You know what yeah, I mean? The response be, yeah. time is still there. The response. But he, time he, he did well to kind of, you know, give us how good he was for the stage. Like I mean, like last year aside. I mean, the year before, all the, all those races. You know, at that at the age that he was when he was winning, when he was doing well. You know, there, there's credit in that, and in, in oh, that too. He did, a, he did an absolutely fine job. My driver of the day, to be honest with you, he did a sterling job yeah. getting from like. 
second to last place all the way up the fit. He did an amazing job. Uh, I know he drove the car too much. They had the issue because he drove the car too much. He would have finished fifth if he didn't, and he still finished fifth. So I think fair play to you, man. You did a great job. You know, he deserves a good pat in the back for that one now. I, and I hope Mercedes saw it that way. <laughs> you know, because that's the way they should see it. Uh, another man I was a bit disappointed for, well, two in particular, Lando Norris finished eighth. He could have done better. He just had a bad qualifying session, really. And I, I felt very sorry for Mick Schumacher because Mick was doing a great job. He was up for his first points. It just didn't happen. He just got so unlucky. And then he just fell back after that. It was just dreadful to see, really. But look, you know, bad luck comes with everything, isn't it? Um, at it. the end of it all, actually, I was quite surprised. Uh, Matteo Bonato, um, even though one car didn't finish and the other car finished fourth, he's still in a very confident mood. And the first thing he pointed out was the performance of the cars. Yeah, one didn't make it, but it was faster than anybody else. And the second one finished fourth, but if he hadn't went off, he was fast. Um, it is a, it is a, uh, an increased team, uh, increased team performance, shall we say. Now, the Red Bull took a step forwards too. Mercedes took a step forwards. But he seems to be very upbeat about it. So even though Charles Leclerc is no longer in the lead of the World Championship currently, there is a long way to go. And there's a yeah. long bit to do. And speaking of long ways to go, we have, okay, I'm going to be controversial for a second, my least favourite race of the year. Of the year, which is the Monaco Grand Prix. It's a fantastic Grand Prix and an amazing track. And it is amazing to see cars going fast around that track. The only thing is there is nowhere really that much to overtake, which makes for kind of a sedate racing. It's going, it's very difficult to overtake anybody on the track. Not for Max Verstappen. Max Verstappen will, will, will overtake on, on a hairpin. Um, he'll drive over a driver. He's got Schumacher in him. He'll drive over a driver to get around him if he has to. But if you're watching, it is this weekend. Two races on the back, uh, on the bounce, as to say. Uh, race is on at two o'clock on Sunday and qualifying starts at three o'clock on Saturday. Um, it's going to be very interesting because they're all going to be fighting for position more so than any other race because in other races first second doesn't really matter you can win from second dead easy monaco the track record is more so who finishes first uh, it's been around a long time we've got 78 laps on this particular one the lap record is held by lewis hamilton i can't see lewis beating that this year i can see um max verstappen and charles Leclerc coming very close to it but now that said, this is a different type of track for the drivers, as he's pointed out. Especially with the new with the new cars this year as well. Oh, absolutely! This is going to throw up some really new problems here. Pirelli have um, scratched their heads and they're they're getting a little bit wondering about this because you know the track itself, the asphalt on the track, it's a road, it's a street circuit. It can get very slippery, especially in slow speed sections. This particular track. Is, is not very good with that. But therefore, there will be a little less wear and degradation. But because of that, they've had to really bring their softer set of tyres. Now, it is still a hard tyre, a medium tyre, and a soft tyre. But they're bringing softer versions of each tyre in. Now, what was really interesting is they've only brought in two sets of hard and three sets of medium, where they brought in five sets of soft tyres. So I think we can see this as kind of a... a 
a soft tyre race. I mean, Pirelli themselves have said Monaco is often described as one of the most unpredictable races of the year. But the truth is that qualifying takes on a particular significance as track position is key, which is absolutely bang on. So we'll wait and see what Pirelli say. Braking here isn't great. Traction is brilliant, which would say braking is great, but braking is not good here. Tire stress is is pretty, is not as bad either. Uh, Racetrack evolution, it's not a massive thing either. First lap is first lap, and that's kind of it, really. And you're not going to get a lot of downforce because, of course, of of all the, the twists and turns at the track. But it is Charles Leclerc's home race. He's going to want to win this. He's going to yeah, want to of win course, this. Yeah. Absolutely. And he's going to have everybody shouting and going, Gold Charles, say, you know. Um, he is Monaco's most successful driver of all time. He's never had a car that can win a race before. Uh, now he has, you know, but he is, uh, he will be worried about it. I mean, he, he, he was even there recently, you know, kind of reminiscing on spending his early years taking the bus to school along the roads that they're actually using for the track, <laughs> yeah. which is quite interesting. You know, it's a, it, it's a good fun thing to look at. There, There is going to be definitely, I'd say, three cars, three, three teams on this one. It's going to be Ferrari, Red Bull and Mercedes. Personally, I think Mercedes, if they finish ahead of a Ferrari and a Red Bull, they can count that as a good day's racing because... That would be a good day's racing. But these, these streets are tough on the cars. Uh, I mean, the 2022 regulations, the delivered cars that allow drivers to race, close, race closely together, you know, which is great. But certain aspects of that are a bit more challenging around Monaco because there is a lot of hard braking and you don't want to be too close to a guy and break a fraction of a second. And I mean a fraction of a second later. That could be... That's not a good thing. And, and of course, the very low speeds and the cars are, despite the fact they're not hybrids anymore, they are actually heavier than their predecessors, which means generating downforce is going to be more difficult. And they do generate it differently. And Formula One cars don't like slow. They don't like going slow. They like going fast. So they're going to be harder to handle. Um, especially through the lower speed sections, which is is basically Monaco, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately. And as we know as well, rain tends to spice up a race. And, and, and Monaco, yeah, you can get the rain there and that can transform a race in, in, in many different ways. Uh, uh, you know, it can change you quick. And, you know, the weather forecast is saying one thing, but you know yourself, you're, you're going to have the guys licking their fingers and putting them up in the air on race day because weather forecasts, as I always said, it's the only job you can go in and be wrong 100% of the time and still have a job. It could do anything. Yeah. It really could do anything. I mean, the last race in 2016, Danny Ricardo missed out in victory after dominating the race. Absolutely dominating the race. And, and it was due to a slow pit stop because the weather suddenly changed. You know, yeah. so I mean... Yeah, that can have a lot to do with it, unfortunately. But that's our Monaco Grand Prix. I would say to people, this is going to be, it's normally, it's normally uninteresting because it is a bit of procession. There isn't an awful lot of overtaking. There, there, there isn't much to say about it, really, is there? And, uh, you Not know, really. It's, it's, yeah. it's, you know, tactics are more involved with tyres and if someone is unlucky, it is very difficult to get past someone. But now that said, this year with the different car and the different situations and the cars not handling as well as they should, 
drivers are going to shine through here. Um, so it could actually be vastly more interesting than it has been in quite some time. So that's my recommendation for this. And 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 and, and before we close out, um, I know what you're going to say. Who's, who's going to do what here? <laughs> yeah, first, second, third, and your wild card as well. And I suppose uh, your, thought, your thoughts as well, uh, you, you know, so we saw in the news as well, Bernie Eccleston has uh, ha- has been arrested to, to throw a bit more interest in, into Formula One this week as well. Oh, good old Bernie. Um, um, you know, <laughs> it's, it's maybe sacrilege, but I actually think the best thing ever happened to Formula One was Bernie retiring. He was, um, he's a character. There's no arguing that. And he's a great character and everyone loves to see him on the track. But, you know, his kind of bias towards certain teams and certain drivers was not professional. So it's, a, it's, a wonder, it's a wonder he was never done for race fixing. Well, to be honest with you, that was the thing that a lot of people did say because it's true, every, it's three true. Or four races, <laughs> every three or four races that asked Bernie what he thinks was going to win and Bernie would always say who's going to be first and who's going to be second. And he was never wrong, not once. So, I mean, yeah, that's kind of, yeah, I'll be honest with you, as, as much of a character as he was and, you know, his bit of an Andy Warhol look, um, I, I think it was a good thing that he was... He retired. I think, to be honest with you, should have done it years beforehand. Um, we won't go there. But Bernie loves a bit of controversy and it will bring in extra extra seats and extra interest in Formula One with a bit of controversy. Um, they've been lacking controversy this year. <laughs> yeah. So now they have a bit of it, which is, is very good. But that, that, That's our job. <laughs> absolutely. Do we do that? But I think this year, without breakdowns, I think Charles Leclerc is going to be very hard to beat. He was, he is fast, and it is his home Grand Prix. I, the only person that is going to beat him is Max Verstappen. Um, yeah. And Max could easily beat him. But I, I kind of would predict from Spain and what I've seen and from the fact he's going to be in Monaco, I'm going to say Charles Leclerc followed by Max Verstappen followed by Carlos Sainz because I think, you know, Sainz has had it unlucky. And to be honest with you, he does need to pull up his socks a bit. But when he does have a good race... He definitely has Checo beaten when he has a good race. He, Perez just can't seem to can't seem to keep on science. The the only reason Perez is ahead is because he's he's more of a reliable driver. Um, he'll do the same thing, same thing. You know where he's going to be. You can predict he's going to be there, and and that's it. And then when science has a has a, a bit of a uh, an issue with things, well, then he's there to take up the place. Um, you know, so I mean, science yeah. will definitely beat him on on the track. Um, it's what happens after that is the problem. Wild card, of course, again is going to be Russell. He's on a he's on a great great season this year. I mean, you have to hand it to George Russell. I mean, you know when when Mercedes are doing absolutely dreadful, the guy's fourth in the world championship and and two places ahead of his of his teammates and nearly doubled the points. So I mean, wild card. I'm giving it to George Russell. I like the guy. I have to admit, he's doing a very very good job and. He's a nice guy too. It's nice to see nice people in Formula One. <laughs> That's it, and uh, you know it's it, it's uh, sometimes it's very it, it isn't seen that often. But listen, thanks very much for uh, for for uh, doing Formula One view with us this week, and we look forward to looking back on the Monaco Grand Prix again next week. Always a pleasure, Aidan. Always a pleasure. No problem. Thanks very much, and that was Mike O'Grady, our Formula One expert.